0: Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm joined by Tracy Pearson. Still still kicking. How you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm doing okay. You know, I don't get cabin fever that badly. For people who work at home, we're kind of well-versed you know, versed in just being at home. So I can't imagine, like, if you don't work at home, your wife doesn't work at home, your kids are at school, and now you're all just in this little place together, there's got to be a lot of stress on marriages and families going on right now. Anything?
0: Let me Let me describe to you my experience. <laughs> um, I'm, I set you up for that. I work between, I don't know, seven and ten different jobs. It's somewhere in that range. Hard to know. Um, I also have a three-year-old and a six-year-old just here on top of me at all times. And because the schools really can't do any substantial remote learning with kids under the age of like, I mean, let's be realistic, with kids under the age of like 15, um, I'm also having to teach her stuff while I'm trying to like do things that, you know, for whatever period of time – Going forward, still continue to pay me money. Got to tell you, not operating even under a little bit of stress. It's been perfect. Couldn't complain <laughs> about it if I tried. Uh, the beautiful. other
1: thing, too, how many people right now raise their hand if you kind of have a sore throat or a slight cough? Or have convinced yourself it, that you do. Yeah. And it's like completely psychosomatic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a. Uh... Yeah, it's a very interesting time, very fun time, very fun time on our forums. We're all having a good, good old time together um, as friends. And compatriots. It is not a
1: good. It is not a good time for our for our forums, given the state four losing seasons or non winning seasons, football seasons coming off of Steve Alford, and now this. I mean, the BBS is at its extreme level. I wrote that review of the offensive line. And I mean, you and I have been sounding the alarm on the offensive line for this coming season, literally since the se- the last season ended in November. And I wrote something with a little bit, just a slight tinge of optimism, but just, still qualify though You're, qualified just, the whole you're thing.
0: just trying to find a sliver of light out here in the deep darkness. And, and I wasn't like, even trying to do
1: it on purpose. It literally showed there was a little bit of positivity from those three practices. But I still qualified it, and, and everyone jumped all over it. Yeah, people,
0: people, Just, people don't yeah. want any of that nonsense in their lives right now. <laughs> no. They would oh, like yeah. to investigate the darkness. Find exactly how deep it is. Find, find the point at which the darkness becomes so dark that it's almost that blue-black. That's what they would like to find. Nothing with this sliver of light. No. No, sir. So then we shouldn't talk about
1: basketball because there is a sliver of light there. Let's just talk about football.
0: Yeah, let's talk about football. Let's let this be the darkness podcast. And you can just hear all the people out there just turning off. Just Oh, just... no.
1: <laughs> no. As you said, everyone right now is just getting as dark as they can get. No. We, they just nudged their friend and everyone's now listening. All right. We just – tripled our listener.
0: okay so we wanted to do this one we're gonna do probably a little bit of a shorter one just because we just talked to you guys um but we wanted to kind of focus in on a single topic um and we were thinking of okay what kind of off-season topics can we hit um and then in light of you know reading the mood reading the mood of the room um sure. is it too late for chip kelly's program is it too late for him to turn it around that's the topic. Oh, should that we, we want to
1: really talk about. do this? I mean, seriously. Is everyone gonna be like literally walking to the edge of the precipice right here?
0: Well, it depends on our answer, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> it's kind of a rhetorical question, Dave, but okay.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm All gonna right. do it with a smile on my face.
0: Alright, okay. so so just context up front. We're talking about this, so obviously, you know, anything can happen in a particular season, the whole thing, but Essentially, did he miss his window in recruiting to get a sufficient level of talent in the program to give him a likelihood of actually uh, putting together a winning program? So, Tracy, what's your initial what's your initial instinct on this on this question?
1: Uh, I think it's pretty. I mean, we could be absolutely wrong, but in analyzing what we've seen and going on odds and logic now that we've seen how chip kelly recruits um it's it's not a recruiting approach that is ideal for a program that's only won seven games in two years um it's it would fit better if they had won and they could you know say hey look we're winning and you can come and play for this genius chip kelly That's by being just not even in the amount or the level or aggressiveness in recruiting. But just, for instance, take the selectivity and how long it takes for the program to offer someone. Admittedly, they've gotten better, but it still is a long process. They're they're still offering players most of the time later than other programs. And while in some cases that doesn't matter, in many cases it does. Um, so this whole recruiting approach doesn't match seven and 17. It's just not a good formula that works. Um, like take Oregon state when you're not, you know, winning that much. When you first start the program, you've got to be really good evaluators. you have got to be really aggressive. You've got to really put out a, you know, a sales pitch. Um, that's not what Chip Kelly has done. So, I think it would have worked. The whole selectivity, um, kind of almost snobbery in terms of who we're going to offer, might have worked if they won, but it didn't. So, uh, but they haven't, so it hasn't won. It yeah. hasn't worked. So what what that has left us is uh, not a great level of talent that has come in in those in the last two recruiting cycles. So I just want to give us the whole basis here, Dave, for why we're talking about this. Because the way it works is, if you immediately win, hey, recruiting is going to take off. If you don't, and you got to really build, you have to recruit well and bring in talent, where by your third, fourth year, you've got your own guys that you've coached up, you've developed them physically, and you're ready to win. And... The question is, right now, have they brought in enough talent? I mean, it's been three cycles, two and a half, let's say. Have they brought in enough talent for that to happen now in this season and next season?
0: Yeah, and I, I think to to hit that, I mean, it's it's twofold. Because it's there's also the theory of the case that Chip Kelly was going to outdevelop people as well. You know, maybe they'll recruit a slightly lower level of talent, but... They might scout them better and then they might develop their raw attributes better or, you know, some combination thereof. Um, That also isn't really coming to fruition to my eye. And obviously in single instances for sure. But broadly, I mean, when I was reading your offensive line um, story, what stood out to me was the number of times you referred to a guy as, yeah, he looks technically sound, but really light. You know, looks a little light in his lower body, looks a little light in his lower body. Um, And that was something that was noticeable last year about both Boss Tagaloa um, and Chris Murray was that they had both lightened. They both lost some weight from the previous year. Um, There's, I mean, there's a a range of weight you can be on the offensive line, but um, you do have to be a certain just level of heavy. You can't just be like a lean (laughs) 270 or whatever and play offensive line. It just, you got to have the mass. Um, And yeah, I mean, there's some guys who can play really effectively at 295. And there's some guys, you know, who who really shouldn't get above 310. But by and large, you want to be 300 pounds. Um, And uh, UCLA really hasn't gone towards that mass angle as much. And the interesting thing is they're not... You know, it's not like it's a really quick offense where they're not doing a lot of, you know, just kind of grinding out tough yards up the middle. They are doing a ton of that. You would think to match that, they would want guys with some real mass up front. And it doesn't seem like they've prioritized that. So that's just on the offensive line. But I think that's one of the significant areas where if you were looking at the guys they've recruited and if you were looking at just generally speaking, um, when you're talking about positions that might be... Uh, less effectively scouted by recruiting services offensive line is certainly one of them just because there's so much physical development that happens, but we're not seeing that physical development from these under-recruited guys. So one of the areas where you might think a better player development program would have an advantage, we're not really seeing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of what, what you do in recruiting is you find guys who physically you can project who will be able to develop and get to the point where they'll be able to have the bulk and the size. And I mean, a lot of times you can see a guy, you know, we go out to these camps and it's pretty easy to see whether a guy has that potential. I I mean, you know, there can be a lineman who's, let's say six, four and 260 pounds, but he's skinny and he's got wide shoulders and maybe his legs aren't his ankles aren't thin. He's got so you could see him getting to three hundred. Then there are some guys who are six four and two hundred and fifty pounds, and you look at them and you say, "Oh yeah, there, there's there's no way that body's getting to three hundred pounds. It's just narrow waisted, narrowed shouldered, you know, thin ankles. It's just it's just not going to happen. Not in any
0: kind of comfortable way, that's for sure.
1: Right. So, um. So, even beyond just developing technically you've got to be able to project bodies that you'll be able to get there, like when Connor McDermott walked on campus and I saw him, he was i think he walked in at about two hundred and forty pounds, but you could see he had these big wide shoulders and he had he had like wide hips and some i shouldn't say that because everyone would bring up josh ship but and but then <laughs> You know, a, a lower body that could hold, be a good base to put on weight. You could see that he was going to get there.
0: Josh Ship could have um, been an offensive lineman. <laughs> According to Craig Hicks. Like 6'5, six, um, six seemed to always be fighting to stay at like 220. Yeah. Could have done it. Yeah. So the, the,
1: looking at this depth chart, and we're trying to assess the talent for this upcoming season. And right now, this has been two and a half recruiting cycles for Chip Kelly. You should have some guys who are, you know, true juniors, redshirt sophomores, uh, true sophomores that are in this, in among the starters in the two D that you'd say, oh, that's that's a star. That's like Pac-12, all Pac-12, and that's a star. Like when you used to look at, you know, let's just name some guys that we saw at the beginning of Morris's uh, of Maura's tenure, the first 3 years when you walked out at, at practice and you saw Miles Jack, right? Mm-hmm. You you just saw guys that you go, okay, that is that's a talented guy, that's a potential pro. Every team that's going I'd I'd love someone to name some Power Five teams that don't have those guys among the starters. A good handful of those guys that that did well, that had a successful season. There just aren't those guys. Even Stanford, when Stanford's all about bringing those guys along, those fourth and fifth year guys, but Stanford has made a run over the last how long has it been? Eight years. Yeah based on nf they still had five nfl guys every year
0: <laughs> yeah
1: on on the roster playing and looking at this current roster who are those guys <laughs> that's the thing so the top end talent the stars that pull along the team i don't see that there and then just the pure breadth of talent that goes just two and three deep per position that you would say that's a really good power five player is questionable too so it's questionable on both levels now you know maybe there'll be some guys who will surprise us that were chip kelly recruits this year but i i don't know where i'm where we'll see that yeah so i'm kind of skeptical of, i mean our first our first question that we said you know is it too late Let's just just play it out if, in his third season right now. Given the talent, given um, what we're seeing, what we saw during spring practice in those three practices, and what you would project, I mean, we're skeptical that they're going to be, you know, our top end would be six wins, maybe seven. Yeah. But then the next season, that now this is his program. You've got to say almost. Oh, almost entirely. These these are all his guys. When, when the schedule gets really tough, will he have like the older developed talent to win with a tough schedule?
0: No, I, I, I
1: don't, I don't see it from this, these recruiting
0: classes. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously I thought we answered the question up top. No, of course not. This is, yeah, it's too late. It's totally too late. Um, and but it was I, I, you could make an argument it was too late after they flubbed that the first full cycle of recruiting that that first full class not the one that they got in yeah. you know just after November 17 but the the 2019 class when they flubbed that it was that's the class you needed to nail um and at that point you're way behind the curve you're you're now you're playing catch up and playing catch up um in that sort of situation just you're not you have to then absolutely nail everything hundred percent. And they haven't done that. Um, but on top of that, even some of the guys who were those development guys who you were saying, Oh wow. Okay. That, that's a guy who's getting better. They're transferring. I mean, Jordan Wilson was a guy who everyone was saying was potentially going to compete with Devin Asiasi to start last year. And now that, you know, I think he kind of was a co-starter at the beginning of the year, but then Asiasi's talent kind of shone through. Um, but he left. And then you've got um, uh, uh, Chris Murray, who left as a true junior um, or would have been a true junior. So these are situations where it's not, you know, I it's just you've got to keep those development guys in the program if you're going to be a development program. Um, And they haven't done that.
1: Yeah, I'm looking over the 2019 class. Sean Ryan, definitely, right? Sure. Um, Michael Martinez, solid tight end. I'm going down literally by how they were ranked. They're, sure. they're yeah, that's fine. Ranking. Shamar Martin, we haven't heard from him that he's really, uh, he's not in the too deep, even a cornerback, Charles Ajoku, wide receiver. I saw him. I mean, he looks like he'll, you know, he'd be able to be a contributor, but it's not like he's, he, would blow you away from when you first see him. William Nemo, probably a solid player at safety. John Ward at this point. I mean, I can tell you that was UCLA's main middle linebacker guy. That was their guy. They said, that's our guy. We're going out. We're going to get him. They got him. They were happy. Couldn't play an inside linebacker, and now he's been switched to outside linebacker. So it's got to be a little disappointing. Duke Clemens, I'd consider that a win. Yep. Yep. Uh, A good get. Ciali Liku, from what I saw of him in high school and then glimpses of him at practice, I liked him. Uh, I would think an absolute guy that I would have taken. But if you're really like – Sean Ryan came in and won the spot. I mean, if you're – Ciali Liku might be a starter like as a junior or something, but I don't think he's got that talent where he walks in
0: and – this yeah. is a this is a team that's won 7 games in 2 years. Right. right. If you're good, you should probably start on this team. Like if you come right. in and you're like a a legitimate stud, you should start. Anybody who didn't play at all, I mean either they're misevaluating them, which is certainly a possibility, or they're just not that good. I mean, and not to say that they won't be good or they won't develop into a good player, but they're not Miles Jack to your point from earlier. They're not that right. super stud because um, those guys would be starting. I mean, they would walk on the field, and you'd be like, oh, wow, okay, that guy's better than everyone. He should be playing right now. So these guys are not
1: that. And just going down, I mean, Daytona Jackson, Bo Taylor. Carl Jones, I'd put him in that top tier. here. Yep. Jamal McClendon, haven't seen. Chase Griffin, I mean, we've all talked about Chase Griffin. Kane Medrano doesn't look like a, a difference maker. Satine instead of any who came in for that non-existence fullback spot, who is now a linebacker, Josh Harris, the tight end who left Josh Carlin might looks like he's in the too deep at offensive line.
0: Jalen Irwin. I think you're in the two deep on the offensive line.
1: <laughs> Noah Keeter left. Christian Grubb is probably seventh or eighth running back. Hayden Harris, um, looks athletic enough to eventually be a guy who will contribute but so we named three or four guys here yeah out of i don't know what, what it was 20 something
0: well and then yeah. i mean not to like it's not apples to apples but like go to that 2013 class now so okay. eddie Vanderdoes played immediately priest willis wasn't very good played immediately uh, Tahan Goodman didn't play a ton. Uh, Kylie Fitz didn't play a ton. But Savanea, I think, was playing his freshman huh? year, especially by the end of the year. Right. Um, Ashanti Willard, obviously, uh, was a backup. Uh, Johnny Johnson, I think, was playing as a redshirt freshman. I don't think he played his true freshman year, and then he got hurt. Um, but Eldridge Massington was like a – I think he was starting by the end of that first year, I want to say. Yeah. He, I think he had that big game against ASU. Uh, Deion Hollins uh, played a ton in his first year. Miles Jack, obviously a stud. Kenny Clark. And obviously can we just say stud. that Miles
1: Jack is this far down this list? But yeah, well, that's I keep what going. I'm saying.
0: Like this was a class full of guys who played immediately, whether or not they turned out and, as good as you would have liked. They played. And then immediately. look
1: who we're look who we're moving into. Miles Jack, Tyler Foreman, who didn't end up being, but Kenny Clark.
0: Yep. Alex Redmond, <laughs> played immediately. Alex Redmond, who's still playing in the NFL, and I think ended up being a. What, a three-year starter, four-year starter? How many years did he stay?
1: Yeah. Thomas Doherty. Thomas Doherty. Caleb Benenock, NFL 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 player.
0: player. Um, Scott Quisenberry, NFL player. NFL player. player. Jayon Brown. (laughs)
1: Wait, Jayon Brown. Oh, wait. That's my favorite guy on this list. I forgot. Jayon
0: Effin Brown. And just to be clear, so we named like whatever, like 10, 12 guys who were like obvious players from day one. Like they were obvious players from the middle, from like the middle of fall camp that year on. Um, all guys
1: who could potentially, by you know, within two years at UCLA are candidates for like all PAC 12 honors. That right. good.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so that's the, and that was a, and those were guys who were walking into probably a more talented program. Like they had to kind of earn those spots. They had to earn those jobs. And, uh, man, looking at it, you just don't see that from this first full class that Chip had. And that's really what's killing him right now. You don't have those that influx of talent. Um, and without those players, you're not replacing, again, going back to the storyline from that first offseason, but you're not replacing the Chip purge, which whatever you want to say about where those guys went and whether they're contributing there now, um, those were scholarship bodies that were in the depth chart And it's a depth chart that now is riddled with walk-ons. Like, there are just walk-ons who are fine. Like, they're fine for walk-ons, but they probably shouldn't be in the too deep for a good team. And they are at UCLA because not only did they purge a bunch of guys who were better than those walk-ons, more than likely, but also they didn't replace them with great talent. Um, And so you've got guys who came in who are scholarship players who are behind walk-ons still because— they weren't good enough to beat those walk-ons out. That's not a good recipe for building a winning program. I mean, I'm not trying to like, you know, and that's not like just me saying, you know, something kind of joking. Like that's an, that seems to be the strategy to take all these development guys, but you need to have some actual immediately playable talent. Um, if you're trying to upgrade, like, I right. Just and, This is obvious think, stuff.
1: And I think that the mistake, the big mistake was when you land Chip Kelly lands at UCLA, he's there. Really should have done a real deal. I, I understand that the culture needed to be cleaned up. You know, there, there were a lot of guys who were smoking pot on the
0: team. Um, yeah, wouldn't want that. And
1: just, and just the whole issue of uh, co- how committed you are to the program, dedi- how dedicated, sacrifice, all of that, I get it. There, there were There was some purging that needed to be done as every new coach usually does when he comes in. But there's also the realization in your mind that, you know what, if I'm going to even – I've got to win at least in my first couple of years at a decent clip so i got something to sell the recruits and I'm going to need some talent. Is to So what you do is you look at the talent that's on the team and you go, not worth it, and too much of a head case purge. Not worth it, purge. Talented. Is this guy retainable? Can he be rehabbed? And in, instead of giving them less of a chance than the guys you're bringing in, you need them give them more of a chance. You need to really bend over backwards to bring those guys around to your culture. I mean, we've got the perfect example right now of that. Mm-hmm. That's over at that place called Poly Pavilion. I mean – What if he would have – I'm serious. Mick Cronin could have – if he would have used the same kind of approach, I would say like nine of these players that he just posted a good season with all would have left this program. Yeah. Because they they just didn't give it enough. There were guys that you needed who were talented enough who would have been able to play for you who are now older – developed physically who would have been able to get you a few more wins and you wouldn't have been able to manage them i mean right now and i'm not talking that first class um because there were some leftover mora coaching staff guys that they they ended up getting you know still what guys did mora bring in all on his own that are still here that are and 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 flourishing. I'd say Osa Digazua.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: Jake, Jake Burton, probably.
0: Um, let me, let me go back into the list. All right. So more last class. More's last class was 2018, right? Yeah. Well, those weren't really more guys though. They were re-recruited they were. Yeah. These were yeah, re-recruited, about- re-recruited Chip Kelly guys. So, all right. So 2017, um, Jalen Phillips gone. Darnay Holmes gone. Uh, but I guess you could say he was a buy-in um, Greg Rogers. They cut Zabie cut Elijah, it didn't, Elijah right. Gates is like, third string right now. Is that right? Yeah. Jimmy Jaggers cut concussion. Raheem Johnson cut Martin Andrews. Is he he's
1: he's still with the program still with the program. He's, he's still
0: he's still there. Yeah. And that was that's. Well, good. Good for him. Um, yep. Odua Isabor in the program. Yep. Jay Shaw in the program. Quentin Lake in the program. Moses Robinson, car cut. Jax Wackeser. Wackeser? Wh- what do we go with there? Wackeser. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He's gone. Um, Mo Osling still there. Zach Sweeney gone. Sean Seward's gone. Austin Burton gone. Drew Platt gone. Or no, Drew Platt might still be there. doesn't matter. Um, and Zach Cochran. Huh. Um that's a huge attrition rate from the class that was just previous. Um, if you look at what let's go to, I want to go to 2011, the class right before Mora because that class ended up with so Brett Hunley, who ended up contributor, Devin Lucian, who ended up contributor, Kevin McReynolds who got cut eventually Aaron Wallace who became an NFL player under Mora, uh, Steven Manfro yep. was a contributor till he got hurt. Jake Brendel who was a, who was a four year starter, uh, Brandon tulia who more or less got cut. Torian White, who obviously had some secondary problems. Um, Raymond Nelson got cut, concussion. Uh, ben Waisaki played, um, which was not expected. Um, Ryan Hoffmuster, Hoffmeister also played a little. Um, Sam Tai um, was gone pretty quickly. <laughs> Sam Tai's cousins. But he was related
1: to every. Yeah, there you go. Uh,
0: Jerry <laughs> Neuheisel played. Uh, Mike Orloff was, I think, more or less... Was, he was not a walk on. I could have sworn he was a walk on. He was a walk on. Yeah, he was a walk on. All right, Will Oliver, more or less a walk on. Uh, Anthony Thompson, famously got cut in kind of a brutal fashion, um, yep. and Connor McDermott, who ended up playing a bunch. But from that 2011 class, which was wildly under talented from like a UCLA perspective, Morris still carved out like half of them as players. Um, right. Which isn't happening with the twenty seventeen class for Chip Kelly. And twenty seventeen right. is a more talented class.
1: Like well, and I can just say, for instance, um, the guys that are still with the program who were Moros guys, they've had to overcome a lot because there was quite a bit there were quite a bit of obstacles put in their way to see if they could prove themselves worthy of staying with the program. I, I could say uh, I am gonna come out and say this. Oso Digazua and if I say this he'll I don't know Osa that well, but I would bet he'll he'll probably get angry with this. But they made it very tough on Osa to stay with the program, and that kid persevered, worked his ass off. If you remember when he was moved to like third or fourth string, yeah, <laughs> like in that one spring practice. I mean, they were trying to bear they were trying to see if he wanted it or not, and uh, you know we're talking about position changes for him. And he persevered and overcame. I mean, uh, if you all don't think Osa is one of your favorite players, you need to know this backstory because he's really proven himself. He's a he's a great kid, not only a, probably the best player on UCLA's defense, but just amazing what he's done. But I'm holding that up as an example that they made it really hard without doing a proper type of assessment player by player. They just basically made it hard on everyone, really, really difficult, without the realization that we need some of this talent just to tide us over. And who who is manageable in this program and talented enough that we can work with them? That wasn't done enough. Um, I think that's – when we look back on it, instead of just really thinking – I mean, it's a combination, obviously, of the recruiting cycles, too. But – You know, if you manage most, most coaches manage the existing talent to get out of it, you know, what you want.
0: Yeah, you have Uh, to be able to do that. You have to be able to adapt some of the players unless you are an absolute dynamite recruiter. And even then, I mean, there's just a level at which you can't count on a team full of freshmen or even true sophomores to just play at a super high level all the time. You need some evening from from your upperclassmen.
1: Anthony Barr, right? I mean, yeah. Mora inherited him. Anthony Barr... Uh, and we know that Mora gave Anthony Barr some a hard time sometimes. Yeah. And he, he was a running back. I, I mean, he might not have made the purge, the Chip Kelly version of it. Uh, you just have to be able to, to do that well. And that, it seemed like... And if you, you step back and you listen to the pitch, like let's say you're UCLA's administration and you're interviewing Chip Kelly and he's just saying, I'm gonna do this right. I'm gonna get good kids, I'm gonna who are good in school, who are good from a character standpoint, and I'm gonna have to change this entire culture and it's gonna take me a while. It it sounds like a good pitch, but then you know, if you realistically know the sport, and even if you're just saying that, you've the, the reality of it is, yeah, but I still need to find some guy, leftover guys that yeah. that will help me win for the next
0: two years. Yeah, and uh, and they didn't do that, not really. Um, certainly there were so some – yeah, go ahead.
1: Let, let's give the other side and just say among the Chip Kelly guys that he has recruited, who we can see being good. Um, I mean, uh, Kyle Phillips, I mean, we should probably – I don't know. When who have we given credit for that? Are we giving more credit for that? Because he would have gone there anyway, no matter who was the next coach. But even if we give Chip Kelly...
0: I don't know. I'm fine. Give, give him full credit for the entire class. I don't care. Um, okay. Because looking okay, at it... So, right, so Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think the jury's out yeah. um, on whether he ends up a good player or not. Um, Chase Cota, I think the jury's still out. You know, there's obviously some attributes, but... He has to like really drastically increase his consistency because um, he was just kind of, you know, he would show up for, you know, a few series and then he'd be. And I think some of it was literally he was not on the field for a lot of it. But you need to see some consistency from him to see him, you know, become like a 50 catch or a 60 catch guy. Um, Chris Murray gone. Bo Calvert. Just don't know. Well, don't know. Yeah. but
1: let's say there's the guys who have already shown something. But let's say that there are guys with potential. I'll get I'd put Bo Calvert in that, in yeah. that category of has shown enough to where he he'll be he could be a player. There's uh, a good bet.
0: Blaylock had a pretty bad year.
1: I'm even being nice. I'll just say yeah, you know, solid player. Will be a solid player.
0: Okay, Michael Zeki.
1: Man, I just think they should be good. I I mean. I don't really even know what happened this last season. I've tried to find out really what the theory was of not playing him this year. After his true freshman year where if you walked just watching that, didn't we all think oh Michael Ziki is going to be is going to be a guy?
0: I thought right? so, but also he had the really 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 like he was a heel runner. Like he not a natural running gate. Um so I don't know. Yeah, I do think so, but I think he should be a tight end. He should be a tight end. Okay, keep going. Um, Elijah Wade gone. Kyle Phillips you just talked about Tyler Manoa. Good ish. Uh, ish. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, I think just not. I think just playing out of position uh, yeah. wherever he is on the defensive line. But yeah, keep going.
0: Uh, Kaz Allen jury out. Uh, Dellen Hurt. Uh,
1: I would say no to jury out.
0: Uh, Madeline O'Gon, gone, uh, Rayshad Williams, I'd say promising.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's say put him in the category that. He'll, that he'll be a player.
0: Yeah. Otito, Agmania.
1: um, I'm mixed on him, you know, because he can, he can really flash and you go, wow. But then you can watch him and isolate him on a few plays and you can go, wow. The other way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, By this time, his sophomore year with that body, he should have been dominant last year, I think.
0: Yeah. And Uh, wasn't.
1: So I think jury's out. Yep. Kenny
0: Churchwell? Jury out. Uh, Jury's out. Alec Anderson? Promising.
1: I I like him. I'd put him in the top.
0: Patrick Jolly. Promising.
1: Um, I'd have to put him on the. So we're doing three levels. I'd do him on the bottom level toward the middle level.
0: Yeah. Kidry.
1: Bottom level. I, you know, I know he's a good kid, but he got exposed last last year, and yeah. maybe by the time he's a redshirt senior, you know, he'll be playable depth. That's so we're looking for top third guys. That
0: yeah. David Preby bottom third. Yep. Martel Irby middle. Middle. Uh, Antonio Maffi middle to top yeah terry, I, I, well, I think
1: he, i think he is an offensive lineman
0: <laughs> yeah terry thompson gone baraka beckett lower middle higher bottom
1: no, i'd say no i'd say
0: lower third uh-huh. i don't know if he'll ever really play mm-hmm. i'm remembering i'm remembering my uh you know that 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 week i was out there for march last year when he was looking okay uh yeah steven mason middle-ish
1: Middle will have to play, but I don't see him ever being like a big impact player. I, this and is the thing is when we're going through like.
0: this. I feel like we're like Ryan Walcotting the whole thing because the reality is a lot of these guys are going to play because they have to, but in reality, most of these guys shouldn't be playing on a good team.
1: That's the funniest thing. That is true because you you tend to give players more credit because their starters are playing but you have to really say i mean nothing to i respect what steven mason's done but did he really did he make some plays last year
0: yeah i don't like he made like one that i can remember off the top of my head but not really i mean he
1: ran around when he, he looked impressive at times when he was running around but he he didn't make plays.
0: Well, like, look at this. Uh, go back through the... Just go look at those DBs that we've been talking about again. Like, look at Blaylock, Guidry, uh, Williams, Churchwell, the whole group. Would any of these guys have been in the too deep of a good Mora team? Uh,
1: maybe And, the, and the,
0: those Mora teams weren't exactly strong in DBs, especially early on. But I don't... Like, I really don't think so. Like, I don't think these guys would have been playing.
1: Right. Yeah, and now, so that that sets it up. (laughs) So now, where your program should be, let's just say we do scenario B of where, you you know, you miraculously, you you didn't win a miraculous nine games in your first two seasons, like Mora did. Mora won his first three seasons, started recruiting at a high level, and then it all crashed, right? Yeah. Because he mismanaged it. But let's take the other path that you, you know, maybe you did solidly you've got 5 wins and then 6 wins and you've got something to sell and now this recruiting cycle 2021 look we we've shown improvement we've gotten better this is going to be our season and there there isn't any buzz right now for 2021 with UCLA very very i've never seen it like this i i mean i don't i did that story what about a month ago about what players they were either leading for or among the top three. And that that was probably the worst I'd ever seen it. So if they don't win in a way this season that gets them some recruiting power, recruiting momentum where they can sell it to recruits, this this class is gonna be really, really challenged,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: there's probably a way to say it.
0: All right, so yeah, let's I think we can we can belabor it no more. Um, yeah, it's too <laughs> late. Um, they could get really lucky and it's not, but it's too late. under any reasonable well, circumstance, it's too late. well, I'll, what the only
1: thing that could uh, that could really turn it around? seriously and because there are now some new rules in place um especially with the new rule that's on the docket for an april vote by the ncaa which is uh any player in academic good standing in football and basketball can transfer one time without having to sit out at all um it's seeming like that's going to pass uh so let's say chip kelly puts together seven wins or eight wins then starts using you know the ucla advantages to start recruiting you can turn it around faster than you could just five years ago because now there's the grad transfer thing but there's also this thing where you would be able to get someone to transfer and immediately play they don't have to sit out a year. so there is a chance still. Let's say eight and four. Then the next year tougher season. They get some transfers. Eight and four, but, and but, then maybe. But it's 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 a tough it's a tough path hang right on, now. Hang on, though. Given the talent that's there.
0: But hang on, you're uh, okay. We're talking I'm about. I'm hanging. An, on, we're talking about maybe. an influx of transfers. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in this past off season, UCLA lost. Two likely offensive starters just to out and out transfer in Chris Murray and Jordan Wilson. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah they're I losing did, I... starters to transfer. I, right. I just, I don't see transfer market restrictions loosening up being like a net win for Chip Kelly's UCLA program. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, that's that's the thing. Is like it seems like there's some, and like not even just. Maybe it's just guys frustrated with losing or playing on a bad team, but it seems like there's some internal instability going on here too, which is, you know, making things a little bit weird. Guys just being weirdly absent from the first week of spring ball. Like, there's some strange stuff going on. Um, well, it's, it's Chip, mostly... Uh, the, you, the starting quarterback lose. and leader of the offense tweeting something out, which may have, you know, likely wasn't related exactly to the football program. But come on, you can't be tweeting or... Uh, posting on Snapchat or whatever it was. Um, you can't be posting that sort of thing. And just what's going on within that program? Why, why is this not well, being policed I, within?
1: I can tell you. Uh, within the program, there is uh, there's generally a good – now, I know I'm probably going to get you know, criticized for this. But within UCLA, there is a respect for what Chip Kelly is doing internally with the program. There are no troublemakers. There's really no drug problem. They're all good grades. They posted their best academic collective results ever. So all everything's that's all well and good. So there's a good feeling on that point about the program. There's no like kind of ugly underbelly going on there. But this is the main takeaway: the program isn't fun. There's there isn't fun. So when you have someone that's all that is all more business, damning
0: than people having a pot problem. Right. It's a so sport. when you have
1: right when you have all an all business type of guy, like I'm sure Alabama is all business. I'm sure there are many very successful programs that are now all business, where they find their fun is by winning. <laughs> so when you take out the fun and you take out the fun from the winning, there is no fun. So that, that's what leaves Jordan, I think, personally, someone like Jordan Wilson, who is going to be a starter, to, to be motivated to leave. There's no fun in it. Chris Murray is an unusual situation because of the family pressure, and I mean, I, but you know maybe if they were winning, if they had won, or there was fun to be had within this program, he would have been able to convince his family that he wanted to stay.
0: And and I, but I, I, just going back yeah. to uh, just about Chris Murray because I'm going to I'm going to always force Chip Kelly to own that one because we had to hear for two entire recruiting cycles, oh, the extensive evaluations, these these robust evaluations. We're looking at everything. We're looking at their tooth fillings. Like the whole thing, you couldn't suss out that maybe it's a little bit of a weird situation there and that didn't preclude you from recruiting him? Okay, so none of that stuff matters then. Um, Either you're not doing it and it doesn't matter, or if the guy's good enough, it doesn't matter. So that, no, okay, you own that one. You own every weird thing that happens in your program at this point. If you're going to pitch this whole like development and recruiting under-the-radar guys that we out-evaluate everyone for, well, then you got to own everything.
1: I... You know, the more we talk, all I keep saying to myself, and it just holds up, the big miscalculation was Chip Kelly obviously not feeling that he had to win in his first two years at at a higher clip, that in changing the whole culture, changing the whole program, that you know, whether it was the endorsement from the administration is at least partially to blame or Chip's assumption or the combination, um, that somehow there. most coaches come in without, there is not a feeling that I can take four years to turn this around. They're saying I need to win now. <laughs> and, and if I win in my first and second year, that might help. To counteract perhaps a hiccup in my fourth year, I need a win right now. For he didn't, he didn't stress that enough. He didn't see it in his mind that it was that, that needed. And the fact that he didn't do it has has now come back on so many levels that I don't think he anticipated, like recruiting being, you know, in the state that it is it is in now. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where it all kind of comes back to that. I mean, not wanting to retain more of more players that had some talent. It's all about not realizing that he, Chip Kelly would have to win in the first couple of years at at least a decent level.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a yeah miscalculation at several levels from a job pressure standpoint, obviously um, I think he misunderstood that, but honestly, maybe not. I mean, I don't think he's had a whole lot of internal pressure. Um, but misunderstanding the ramifications of losing, um, and what that would mean for the lifeblood of your program and what that would mean for your likelihood of winning three through five. Um, that was clearly a miscalculation and honestly a baffling one. Um, if you're,
1: do you think, do you think he just really assumed I'm Chip Kelly? Yeah, no, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to go out, coach people. And I'm easily getting to six. That's all
0: the rationalization stuff, because I think the reality was it's just arrogance arrogance which yeah. and arrogance is just stupidity. I mean it's just it's a different word for it, but it's the same thing, you know, being <laughs> you know convinced of your own superiority is about the dumbest thing you can be in life. Um and uh and that's what he did. And when you approach that with that kind of attitude, you're going to make some mistakes. Um you have to approach it with some humility because humility makes you work hard. Um so yeah, no, I think I think um you know this I think this thing is pretty much written. Um, I think it's, you know, 95% done. There's obviously the lucky circumstance where they churn out enough with enough goodwill this year where, you know, it's a seven or eight win season, I guess. And somehow they do it in exciting fashion. Maybe he reinstitutes the blur, but that would require a level of humility um, that I don't think he possesses. Um, but I,
1: this, this is right. Let While you're right there, while I remember this, so I think he needs to win at a level clearly that everyone comes away saying that's his successful season. Like five wins, even six wins, just isn't isn't going to light a fire in recruiting or in transfers. And for him to really start some momentum in recruiting, enough to offset, and I'm not saying that he would leave or get fired at at the end of next year. I'm just saying 2021 also taking that into consideration. He needs, I think he needs at least eight wins this year or he's the pro the chip Kelly era at UCLA is probably over at least by the end of the 2021 season. Yeah. Because I don't know how you win five wins, get five wins or six wins. In 2020 and survive a se- the 2021 season.
0: No, not going to happen. All right. Well, on that cheerful note. Uh, I know. I'm
1: sorry, guys. I want to apologize. I know you're out there just all worried and stressed. And this might no, have but been get, a bad decision. But this be, might have been a bad decision. No, this is
0: good. Get angry about something okay. else. Like, focus your energy on just how this man is destroying your football program.
1: That's fine. Oh, Jesus. We will, do, we will do one. The next one we're going to do is going to be all about the basketball program. Yeah, we'll, so talk, we'll have enough yeah, 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 yeah. Talk.
0: We'll, we'll talk about how many banners exactly Mick Cronin is expected to hang <laughs> in the next seven years.
1: That's what we're going to do. All
0: right. Three. So you three, got anything
1: four? else? four? Should we give it, a preview? Se- three in, or four?
0: In seven years? Three or four. Yeah. Seven. Four, five. five. Okay, seven. Yeah. Obviously. Okay.
1: No, so I have nothing else. I think we just really – Really squeezed out just about it. All right. Well, we choked that. We choked that one out, Dave.
0: (laughs) We really did. It's lifeless corpses on the ground. We are doing well. All right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods from Brunaport Online, the UCLA site on the twenty four seven Sports Network, and we will talk to you next time. Stay safe out there, everyone.
1: Thanks for listening to that, guys.